there for black alert. This is not a drill. Repeat, this is not a drill. Spore drive online. Welcome to the Star Trek Black Alert podcast, your melanated references for all things Star Trek across all four quadrants. I'm Tia, and we're going to go forth with introducing the rest of the bridge crew. It's Raina. How you doing, everybody? Dre, I still don't have a funny intro for myself. Grace at Casual Grace. Uh, it's Travis. Hi. Hi, everyone. Today, we're going to discuss Star Trek Discovery episodes 11 and 12. Sukal and There is a Tide, respectively. Sukal is directed by Norma Bailey, while There is a Tide is directed by William Riker himself, Jonathan Frakes. So let's get into it. What do we Sukal. all think of Sukal? The the character themselves or the entire episode? You, I you think... need to be more specific. I have thoughts. Hmm. So let's <laughs> go. We've been talking about the burn for all of season three. It is the main plot of season three. Sukal, we've kind of gotten an answer, but maybe not. It's a little strange. So with Sukal being revealed as being a person, a singular person, a Kelpian who is responsible for the burn, is that a satisfactory answer? What do you think of it? Uh, well... <laughs> okay, I'm just go first because I will say that in terms of like all the theories that everybody had in regards to what was the source of the burn or what and how it tied in with this and if it was related to Philippa's sickness and this and that, this solution is a little underwhelming for me. It seems a little, you know, convenient for me. Uh, I think it, I, I think I enjoyed all the other theories much more than what it turned out to be, is what I'll say. Right now? Same, I, I agree with Grace. I felt it was a little lacking in the storytelling. How Sukal somehow survives all this time, I think it was 125 years by himself in this program, and then all of a sudden he's the source of the burn. It, it was underwhelming. And, um, I mean, I love the whole Kelpian connection. And I love Saru having this emotional moment. It was cute. <laughs> but uh, I, I wanted some more substance to that. Yeah, I, I agree with Raina and Grace. I was honestly looking for something a little more technical and science fiction, honestly. Uh, because that's 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 part of Star Trek. So I, I kind of get where they're going with it, but at the same time, it's a head scratcher in my opinion. I just, it was caused because this dude can emit this frequency that's the same as dilithium or, or that's at least the loose theory that we hear Cobra give to everyone. Like, this is why it would have happened. And I'm just kind of like, hmm, okay. <laughs> If that's what you guys decided to write, then I guess we're we're gonna roll with that. So I'm a little I'm a little disappointed to be honest. Yeah. But Travis, what what do you think? 
so you know my my opinion is different than uh, all of yours i think you know that this was a very star trek response this was a very star trek cause for the burn um I mean, how many times in original Star Trek did, or next gen did we have some, you know, random person on a planet who just happened to have godlike powers and could, you know, rewrite everything? Like as far back as Charlie X, you know, I, I can never remember the name of the episode in next gen, but there was the one with the uh, old couple. You know, there's there's just there's always this you know, magical person, this, this super powerful person who can rewrite uh, reality. And uh, I think that's what we got here. My, my, my issue with it though, is that in all of those episodes, those are self-contained episodes. It's like, you know, one and done, we meet this guy and we move on. In this case, the entire, ep- the entire season has hinged on finding this, co- the cause of the burn. I can see why it would be underwhelming to have just, you know, a guy. You know, like a, a person who, if he'd gone to Professor X's school, he'd be all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's been stuck on this planet by himself in his mother's, you know, hollow program. And, and he has no concept. <laughs> yeah, he's, I mean, I did like that, you know, the emotional distress cause, you know, him to lash out and emits this pulse. Um, That was kind of cool, though. It was, it was kind of like uh, something from like X-Men or something. Across multiple quadrants, though. And I think that's what gets me. I I can see if he was able to do this and it is a sort of self-contained reaction. But not necessarily self-contained, but limited to a certain space. Yeah. And and it's 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 Omega Mutant, right? Like just to use the the, the X-Men reference. And it, it doesn't seem like enough and what does the song have to do with everything like i have a theory on that I really do. yeah i do i do i do oh. this is i guess the part where i say the theory so uh spoilers i'm assuming you you guys have watched the episode if you're listening to us talk about the episode but spoilers about what has happened what could happen and i'm probably wrong but my feeling theory now that I've seen what I've seen of episode 11, Sukal, is that he has this big emotional surge of grief when his mother passes. And that is what causes the burn, essentially, this big, huge pulse, because he's just distraught that his mother is gone. And the song that everybody knows, that everybody sings, is uh, a lullaby, a Kelpian lullaby, a different Kelpian lullaby that his mother happened to be singing as she was passing. And that's why that song went out as part of the burst. And everybody seems to know it, because the wave, whether it destabilized the dilithium or not, touched everyone. And that has been imprinted on everyone. Probably not true, but that's how I feel that it's going. I mean, it's a, it's a theory that fits. Like, mm-hmm. and I really feel with everything that they've done with with the theme of of this whole season, finding the burn, but how one person's actions can affect so many others around them. It really drives that theme home for this whole entire season. Mhm. Absolutely. You know, the needs of the one outweighed the needs of like the whole galaxy. Pretty much. Jeez. Pretty much. But that would imply um, that there was some sort of telepathic power wrapped in the rest of it, right? For it to have a true knowing 
the song versus I, be, I believe there was someone else at the beginning of the season who also knew it. We knew Gray, you know, played the song and knew it. So like I'm trying to figure out exactly what this mutation involved because that was what I believe Hugh said that in utero mutation is what gave him this power. I I don't know. I don't know. That's a hell of a mutation. That's all I get it. And I mean there's a lot to it, but what we don't know, and again, this is all speculation and I've spent entirely too much time thinking about this. We don't know at this point a lot about Kelpians. And the past that Discovery comes from doesn't know a lot about Kelpians because Saru is essentially the only Kelpian that's ever left the planet. We don't know what could have happened in the evolution of Kelpians since Saru has left. We don't know what could have happened in the evolution of Kelpians since Kelpians are now in this new future, presumably allowed to survive Baha'i, what they do what they become, what, you know, they evolve into. How do you know that Kelpians of a certain age don't have telepathic powers? That's true. And there's an interesting thing that uh, the Vulcan hologram says, the Kelpian Ba'ol alliance, like they're a a group of people now, the Ba'ol. So that could have, you know, they could have become one species maybe, Mm -hmm. and those powers could have gone between them. They were strange species on the first season There's a lot of uh, room for like interpretation interpretation there because like we just don't know we haven't seen enough of Kaminar and the Kelpians to know what could become and I like that I like that we're getting all this backstory of the Kelpians and Kaminar this new species on Star Trek that we get to go deeper into Mm -hmm. so what did y'all think of the um the the landscape that uh, the the our young Kelpian was in, our old young Kelpian was in that uh, advanced hollow program. The Escher vault. That mm-hmm. was that was kind of wild, um, especially with uh, when we see uh, Hugh, Saru, and Michael on the ship, and we get Trill, Michael, Bajorn, Hugh, and a human. Saru. I was like, <laughs> what? They just put our man Doug in a wig and everything. <laughs> Shout out to Doug for finally yeah, getting not, they, uh, staying out of the makeup chair for a little while. But that's right? such a Star Trek thing, you know? You think about all of the actors that wear the heavy and prosthetics. Makeup, they they always have an episode where, where they're not in it. Remember, you see their face. And you're just like, who? Oh, yeah, Belana Torres' faces, facets, I can't remember. That's Doug. Yeah, they did it with Belana, they did it with Worf. Odo. Uh, They did it with a few people. Yeah, it it was great to see. It really was. I appreciate appreciate that throwback. And I love that he still had um, Saru's mannerisms. Yes, I noticed so like, the that's still like the wavy thing with his hands as he walks, the yes. whole thing. He, he, he was still Saru. Even I, I like that. touching the ground. Kudos to Michael, though, for being a, a hologram. Yes. Like, <laughs> she fell into that role quick. She did. She, she was to. like, he was like, no, because he said, she said something Sukal didn't like. And he was like, no, bad program. Something's Re- wrong with reset you. The compu- reset pro- parameters. Yes. Hello. And she sat there like, hello. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh, 
cycle. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. I just, I, I just really, that episode, you know, we're, we're not, we're kind of sort of concentrated on one part of it. And I know that we mentioned that, you know, episode 12 is where everything sort of pops off. But there are little moments in Sukal that I think are just great. You know, yeah. just sort of throwbacks to previous series. I, yeah. I just want to say. And Saru, his whole reaction to seeing a holographic elder, like you see him when he when he sees that part of the program, he kind of regressed a little bit to his own childhood. Yep. And that put him in the state of mind of this is what's going on. He's still mentally a kid. Now, it clicked for him, but it also clicked for Michael because Michael was like, okay, you're, you know, you've been isolated, all that stuff. So Michael gets it, you know, pretty early on. But it took that for Saru to realize what's going on with this dude. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, good. And that's when we see them have that moment. That's where Saru is like, I can't go about this like a Starfleet officer. I can't, I can't even go about this you know, like an adult Kelpian, I have to use, you know, mittens with this dude. And, and he and he did. He sang him the lullaby. And that was a great moment. That was that was Saru having having some heart. And I, I thought it was great. They had never seen a Kelpian that old before. Like this is even the first time Saru has seen a Kelpian that lasts beyond uh Viharit, you know, yeah. really. Yeah. And so to see a a member of his own species managed to become an older person that had to have an emotional impact. And I'm glad they put that in there. Uh, I, I just, you know, the more I think about it, this is just a, actually a pretty solid episode. <laughs> it's a lot it of is. little things. It's it a is. lot of little things as opposed to a few big things. And yeah. That, it's that the details. It very good. Mm -hmm. uh, but I want to say before we get too far away from it in regards to Michael and her being the hologram if that wasn't the cleanest code switch in Star Trek, I don't know. So, <laughs> like literal code switch. It really switch. was. She turned into a, <laughs> into a smile. Program. She was like, okay. I'd never <laughs> seen Michael so animated. <laughs> right? And I love that. I love that ab about her and I love that for her. Like, Michael in a traditional Star Trek episode is a good thing. Like, I would love to see more episodes of Michael in, like, standard Star Trek situation. You know, I'm on a planet. I've got to adapt. Let's do this. I, I love it. I think she was really good. But I also but I also really liked was the relationship between Culber and um, Saru and Michael on the planet. Because you had Michael, you know, coming at it from a professional uh, standpoint. Um, you had Saru coming at it from the emotional standpoint. And Culber was just there to, like, I'll support whoever. I'll support, you know, whatever action we're going to take. That's I'm, – I'm here for this. We just and need to leave in four hours. It, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They were really trying yeah. to play up if the fact on, that Hugh was caught in, the, uh, in the, the mycelial network for so long. So he understood isolation. Yep. So I think that, I mean, that was the driving force behind him really going to this, to uh, rescue us a call. Yeah. What I really yeah. love about that. Is it, is it that fair is... to say that this followed the Wizard of Oz just a little bit? Because you have the the heart, the brains, and, you know, the... Uh, the bravery, the nerve. The, yeah, the nerve. 
And then you have Sukal, who's kind of like Dorothy. He's a little lost, mm-hmm. even though he's in his own little world. Um, it just kind of reminded me of that just just a little just a tad just a just mm-hmm. a tad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Osiris, the Wicked Witch, of the West, who's going to see <laughs> she's green. Is is that what's happening here? Is that the comparison uh, we're making? I like it. If that's green. where we're going. She, oh, she scares me. Going to collab with the wizard instead of just killing him and taking his powers? That's what I'm seeing. The space well, wizard boss? Sure. Well, now that we're talking about that plot, you know, so when Saru, uh, Hugh, and Michael left the ship, um, you know, there were there were some decisions to be made. And uh, first, you know, you had Paul just flipping out. Just did not want him to go on an away mission at all, which I kind of thought was a little out of character. I mean, we do. Yes, he they've gone through all that stuff. But Hugh has been on um, missions before since he's he's left the ship and gone on away missions, danger, potentially dangerous away missions since he's come back from the mycelial network. Yep. It, It felt weird and out of place for Paul to just like just flip out. No, you can't go. I think think it was because of just how dangerous, because it was like, we know that if you're not out of there by X amount of time, you're going to be dead and nothing that we do can save you. So Mm -hmm. I think it was that which really got Paul on a whole nother level, like, bruh, you're not even guaranteed to come back. And now we going out here and... Of course, Ish hits the fan eventually. So. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's even it's even more than that because we've seen over these last few episodes, Culber and Stamets and Adira, and you see it throughout these two episodes in particular, they are really a family now. They really care about each other as yeah. a teenager and her two gay space dads. It's it's really a tight knit little group right there and now that they have that i think that's the thing that makes it that much more urgent for stamets like that's my whole family in that nebula and it is that's his whole life in that nebula and that's that's where it's coming from like it's really hitting home for him that he's about to lose everything again because he already lost his everything yeah but not yet though when just when when colbert left adira was still there he hadn't lost everything like we're getting we're getting there. Like he still has that mentality. That's, that's my family down there. Like that's still a big chunk of my family down there. He's Mm -hmm. having, he's not at, you know, we lost it all yet, but like, that's still half of my everything. Yeah. Still there, you know, mentally. Yeah. So we slid into episode 12. (laughs) It's all one. Yeah. This one felt more like a a joined two parter than I would say than the mirror uh, episodes did. Yeah, but before we get into that, can we get on to can we touch on tell on Tilly as Captain? Yes, I want to go Captain back Tilly. One more thing about Stamets or not? Stamets, oh, please. Hubble first. Um, that Tia said before we move on. I really like that they are talking about his journey to find himself in mm-hmm. this, and mm-hmm. that we're we're following up on that that storyline that we kind of just left. A little open-ended we didn't see did he really get closure has he actually found his purpose how does it feel coming back from the dead what does that mean for him mentally mm-hmm. and he's still searching for that kind of closure and purpose and meaning and that's why he decides to stay on the planet 
I I'm like so that. glad you said that because Forgive I love that. I, I I love that they didn't just like make, make give him a pat ending to his trauma. Mm-hmm. Like it's something that's going to be part of his character, going to inform his character for the rest of his time on the show. And I hope we get the same thing for um, you know the pilot too, um, because yeah. yeah, thank you, Detmer, because that trauma, that PTSD, that informs the person, you know, moving forward. And I love that um, they're they're maintaining that, that they're they're building on that and turning using it as a catalyst to make the characters, you know, stronger characters. I would say that that that's one of the more consistent plot lines of Discovery. Like, it's not one that they've dropped and picked up. Like, we noticed that. We had that in season two when mm-hmm. he decide, when Hugh decides not to resume his relationship with Stamets immediately. And so, you know, that's one that they've taken a lot of care to, to at least continue to unfold and tell. And, mm-hmm. you know, to reference your earlier point about uh, Stamets, uh, sort of being upset. You can't do this. You can't go there. Uh, sort of understanding that he might lose something, right? It seems like he's referencing things that are unrelated. Let me stop, because that's more of an episode 12 observation. Yeah, I will say okay. they did show Hugh mentioning that to, to Paul before he leaves. He's like, since I've gotten back, I'm still trying to figure out my place on this ship, and I need to do this. I feel like I really need to to do this. So we even have the character himself verbally saying, this is part of my process with trying to get back to being some somewhat of, of, of the person I, I used to be. I'm never going to be the same, but I'm trying to to get back to feeling to where I'm at least more whole and complete than what I I do right now. Uh-huh, and it's uh-huh. it's it's good. And I appreciate that Discovery has done a lot these these first three seasons to legitimately deal with characters going through some major stuff. And then we have the the cope afterwards. We have yeah. dealing with the trauma. So kudos to that uh, all the way around. Um, and they still continue to do it consistently, which makes it makes it so good. It makes it so heartwarming. For sure. I mean, how many times did Scotty die in the original <laughs> series? I mean, there's an episode where Uhura has her whole brain erased. And by the end of the episode, oh, she's back to college level again already. She, what, what about her life? You know, it's like all these things, <laughs> that, that these traumas, these people go through and they're cool within 45 minutes, but yeah. this it's uh, it's all part of their journey. And uh, yeah, it really works. It really works. And I think that's one thing that distinguishes discovery from other Star Trek series, right? Uh, you know, DS9 tried it in a lot of ways, right? Mm-hmm. They would have the trauma, but then the next episode, they're fine. And then maybe five episodes, they'll go back to it, but it's not necessarily a running theme. I think Nog was the one time they actually right. yep. tried to keep sort of a, a an event, an impact a character for a long period of time. So, I mean, I would say we, we've talked about how Discovery sort of suffers from not having enough episodes to really flesh out the crew, uh, but they have been successful at least in the uh, the hue portion of 
sort of a character progression, I would say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. And then we've got Osira. Osira. Mm-hmm. So we've got the Osira thing. So that starts with, with Tilly being oh, now we're captain. On the plot. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Tilly's at the con. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. it's funny because Tilly had a nice, she had a nice classic Janeway, Picard, Cisco moment. I will blow this ship up before I give it to you. And I was like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. That's the Tilly I want to see. She more. was a little spicy on that. Yes. Girl, just take that, take that gingerness of you and just let it out. Okay. I was, I was waiting for her <laughs> just, to talk about the banging. Just be <laughs> an angry redhead. Please. Please. She was like, so you want the smoke? Let's go. And I was yeah, like, okay. that was that was I great. Absolutely adore the banter between Osira and Tilly. I could watch that go back and forth all day. All for day. Real. <laughs> that was good. Oh, uh, it's good stuff because they're just so snarky with each other. And Tilly was like, "See, you're just projecting onto me because you're the one who's really insecure." And it's funny because, I mean, essentially, I, I hate to say it, but I kind of have to say it. They, they're both probably a little bit right, but they're Absolutely. still going back and forth anyway. Yeah. Oh, that was that was good. Well, we get boarded. I get, you know. <laughs> As is the Star Trek yeah. tradition. Yes. You know, yes. Well, yeah. I mean, well, here's the here's the here's the thing, right? We see. Of course, at the end of Sukal, Michael and Booker don't get there when they need to, right? And it's, oop, they're gone. Damn it. <laughs> oh, really? This, this, uh, now we got to go hunt them down. And next thing you know, boop, they popped up. It's at Star, Starfleet headquarters, man. And episode 13 get, gets jumped off. Osiris got this whole, let's, Fame a chase type type deal going on. Mm-hmm. We got to talk about Zare though, because look, how did he survive? I hate that guy. This is the first mistake of Saru in the thirty second century. Okay, right? He should have let Philippa do what she needed to do. Exactly. Philippa knew the second she got there that this was not the same Alpha Quadrant that they left behind, mm-hmm. and that some folks needed killing. Yeah, right to a rough out here. When we, we need to tie up this loose end, not just you know let him out and maybe he dies in the ice, maybe he don't. No. Like I need to know that that dude is not gonna come back and bite me in the ass later. And that the most hilarious thing about later. this is that this is the second time this has happened. Mud, old dude yep. got away and came back and got his tried to get his revenge. This dude, mm-hmm. they let go and he came back to get his revenge. <laughs> I hate this dude. Please, but somebody. His, his, I mean, this again, Star Trek tradition. That's a a Star Trek tradition. Think of Khan, you know? See, she should have finished them off. Yeah. Yeah, Starfleet does not know when to uh, take the double tap. (laughs) Sometimes you gotta gotta do what you gotta do. Like, that dude needs to go. Uh huh. ASAP. You know who who, who wouldn't have let him go, though? Who? Cisco. You're right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Cisco would be like, like nah. Eh, whip. He's not walking away from this. Uh, it was just, I just when I saw him uh, in the episode, I was just like, oh my goodness, seriously? Mm-hmm. This guy? 
this Taiko mm-hmm. would have asked for forgiveness, not permission. Right. Exactly. And I think Starfleet would have let it go. Right. If he had died, oh well, he's been terrorizing colonies. Damn. You know, okay. This new Federation, this new Starfleet would have been perfectly fine with this dude getting 86. And they didn't even know the new Starfleet at that point. They, 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 that was right after they crashed on that planet, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah, so they had some leeway. So we just decided not to. After Philippa had already killed like six people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she was already taking heads. And then like, okay, well, you know, we're just gonna strike. let him slide. We're gonna let him go off into the ice. Well, so now this this brings up an interesting thing though, right? So we're seeing sort of the culmination of a lot of the choices that Saru has made during the season. Mm-hmm. Letting this guy go, letting Book install the the tech that might have brought Osira to them. We don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. Him leaving the ship <laughs> for one. Mm. <laughs> leaving the ship with, yes. I mean, she did well, but she's still just an ensign in the middle of a, a fight with a criminal enterprise that rules the quadrant. I wonder if this is where we're going to, like, if this is the point where Philippa's little comment at the end of episode 10 is going to matter. Hmm. Yeah, because, uh, you know, going back to that, that thing with Zari, right? He, Saru and Tilly were afraid to make the hard call. They would not, they, they wouldn't kill him. But we learned in this episode that Michael will make the hard call. Yes. You know? Does that make her a better captain at this point? Are, are, are they now establishing that she has what it takes to be the, the actual captain more so than Saru and Tilly? If not, then I think we're watching a different show than what they're writing. Because <laughs> absolutely they've displayed that in several seasons at this point, <laughs> seasons one and two, she hesitated a few times, but how many times have we, how many times have we seen her make the hard call up to this point? Mm-hmm. How many times have we seen her do what is absolutely necessary to accomplish the mission, save someone, go track down some information and everything else? Mm-hmm. We've seen her the heavy lifting, which she's the she's the main character, yes, but she does so much of the heavy lifting on her own. And usually it's without hardly any backup, which to me is kind of triggering sometimes because as a black woman, I relate to that in real life. Which was a point uh, I was trying to make on Twitter about now that we're in, you know, episode 12, the sort of conflict between Michael and Stamets, right? And it's not the fact that he was upset that she was more focused on getting him off the ship. I understand why he would be upset about that. It is sort of the position the writers put her in constantly Uh where she has to play everyone's sort of support figure. You know, she has to sit down with the person who's feeling unsure and she has to, you know, help them, you know, comfort them and also has to become sort of the target of, a lot of their anger, like Stamets blames her for them being in the future when she literally did not ask anyone to come with her. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
that whole scene. Okay, let me bring it down that, a notch because that, I'm gonna tell you something was, right now. When he no. sat there and he said that we came here for you, and I'm like, no one asked you to, dude. She specifically told him not to. Yes. Exactly. She was I like, I have to do me. this. I'm going to the future. And they were like, nah, chick, we're going to roll with you. So you wouldn't I'm have to be alone. Right. Okay, let, she let didn't let ask for that. She really didn't. And for him to sit there and say that, to me, it was a slap in the face. And Thanks. I was like, typical. Typical. It just, tri- it tri- that scene triggered me because I'm like, how are you going to sit here and blame all your problems on this woman when she didn't even ask you? She didn't ask. She didn't suggest. She didn't say, hey, guys, do you want to come with me to the future? We did this for you. I didn't ask you to. I didn't mm-hmm. ask. So mm-hmm. he wants to sit here and he wants to be upset at his wife and or at his husband and his child who made the decision to go on their own. Michael didn't force them to go down to that planet. Mm-hmm. She didn't force Michael them to tried to get Hugh to come with her and he exactly. chose to stay. Uh, now, of course, to be fair, Stamets doesn't know that. Stamets doesn't know that Hugh decided to stay on the planet with Saru and Sukal. Exactly. So, you know, that is that is there. But it's just this show, and, and, and Dre, me too, I was triggered by it, you know? <laughs> because it doesn't, there are ways to have a conflict between these two without sort of the, let me knife you, Michael, for doing this. Let me make you feel extra guilty because, you know, you're here with other people. You know, I might not have anything. Oh, yeah, screw you. Like, it just seems it's it's unnecessary. Yeah. And you can have that same scene of him being upset with Michael because Michael's about to jettison him out of the ship. You know, which, by the way, Starfleet picked him up and yeah, took him. right away. So it wasn't, yeah, right it wasn't like he was floating in space, unable to get assistance. It was immediate. But, you know... That scene did not require sort of putting even more sort of guilt on Michael. Why exactly. is she that emotional vehicle for this show? Thank Especially you. when she had to do the same, she had to jettison Arium, right? Mm-hmm. And for him to, and for that comment, for for him to say what he did, oh, just, yeah, it, it got under my skin. I, I, I'm sorry, y'all. That's an important but, point you just brought up, though, about Arium. Yeah. Michael couldn't do it. She right. couldn't do it. And it was uh, Nan who did it. And yeah. the Admiral brought oh, it, up the fact true. that Michael could not make, make that a hard call. And, and she, she was said, able to do it. She won't make that mistake again. And she's not. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think Hugh's going to come back and have a talk with him when, uh, when this is done. Because Hugh knows what happened. And there's, the, you know, Paul's going to have to eat a lot of crow. And the shows, the show would be doing us, the character of Paul and all of us a disservice if they don't have him do it. Yep. I I agree. Especially there's another, there's another small instance that I mentioned in my thread recapping this episode that at one point, because we're in episode 12 now, when Tilly calls down to engineering and says, damn it, get in the cube. And he's like, hold on, wait, you don't hold on, wait, the captain. (laughs) Captain gave you an order, get in the queue. That's it. No question. I questioning. expect him to be demoted. He should no longer be chief engineer. Like, I, who? Is he chief engineer? Is he? Is it I he? don't even know. No. Or is it I'm, Reno? 
I thought Jet I, was. I, I feel like Reno oh, is. I'm not clear on their positions. I mean, obviously, he's senior in engineering because he is the conduit for the spore drive, but I don't think he's chief. Oh, yeah, my goodness. Like, we need to, it's yeah. season three. We need to straighten this out. I'm still not even sure of... Culver is chief medical officer. He's not. Like, Pollard is. He's not. It's Pollard, right? Powell is. Yeah. It's Pollard. Pollard. It's Pollard. Like, I want to see she her some more time, too. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I'm can we see her? Right? Can we see the black chief medical officer? officer please, please. That scene with three black characters, Book, Michael, and Pollard. I was like, this. That is was insane. great. Yeah. <laughs> when Book talking about she was favoring her left front paw, bruh, your woman right there. But you love the cat. Mother. I love it. I love Michael's face. I, I love, love him really. as a cat dad. I don't even care. I love men who love cats. Says the cat people. Says the cat people. Well, I like cats dogs make too. my throat close, you know. I like so dogs, I'm just like, uh, grudge. I, I think it's I think it's very sweet that he loves his cat this much. His queen. His queen. His queen, right? I don't but think I, grudge. But is what a you cat. just said about that scene though, I thought was 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 interesting. And I feel like, you know, they, they, people always talk about the Bechdel test about how, you know, yeah, um two women two women in a scene together. not talking about a man. And I think in this case you know, it was nice to see three black people in a scene not talking about being black. Yep. Just talking about, you know, what they did on the show and their cat. <laughs> you know? the cat yeah. Exactly. A it's just, cat. <laughs> you know, we get to, I, I, I always love any experience when we get to live yep. and mm. not have to live as a particular role. We just get to do what we do. And uh, I love that. I, I, I love that sequence. We need a test for that. <laughs> I'm sure, I, feel I don't like even know what to call it. it. That's the black alert test. There, there we go. go. <laughs> on out. We're just going to call it the black alert test. Episode 12 also involved the, and, and I think uh, the Twitter page discussed this. So we saw the return of Ken Mitchell, mm-hmm. which is a great thing. There's been some commentary on the character. So we have Aurelio who is on the Osira train, but not necessarily aware of the person that he's aligned himself with. Mm-hmm. So what do we think about his interaction with Stamets and Osira? You see the veil come off pretty quick for that dude. He was like, oh, snap. Uh, <laughs> I have not been paying attention. This is what I signed up for. <laughs> hold on, hold up. Him wait, 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 wait. So the glasses got cracked real quick. Mm-hmm. Yes. But it's yes. also contrived, though. You think about Osira is this well-known figure in the entire quadrant. Everybody's afraid of her. I don't get it. Why is he surprised that she will shoot someone in the face and vaporize their body in front of everyone? Point blank. Very sheltered. Very sheltered. And that she has, you know, through her patronage, been able to cultivate a certain environment where she can very specifically direct how she is viewed in his eyes and Mm -hmm. she's done that obviously to keep him loyal to her and we find out later in episode 12 the reason for that is so that he can be her proxy in this uh the, the the accords that they're making for to combine the chain and the federation and like, there's a reason that she's done this, that she's cultivated this image of herself in her eyes. And I don't doubt that she spent a lot of time and effort making that happen. Keeping him clean. Yeah, she kept her, she did a good job of keeping the lab right in the, in the lab. Yeah, um, he's, she's basically like um, 
money laundering. <laughs> He's her front. <laughs> you're you're the you're the money maker, not the not the hitman. Exactly. The He's he yeah. So he uh, yeah he had a, a, a eye opener real quick, and I was like to you know Tia's point, it, it was kind of like really though, how could you not know her reputation at this point, dude? Mm-hmm. But it's also like if he is as good as she was trying to make him, would he be willing to be her pawn in the government in the first place? See, I think that's where her plan kind of had holes. Yeah. Once there's, because there would have to be a point when he would recognize, wait a second, she's asking me to do things that I I shouldn't be doing. Because, you know, in that, in in the, one of the threads that somebody brought up on Twitter, I said that, that she's very Trumpy to me. She talks a big <laughs> game about being, um, you the know, best plan, the greatest plan, exactly, and making you know the galaxy great again, and all <laughs> the rest of this. And she's not willing to to pay the price. But at all that all all throughout that, she's got, you know, all these people who support her. Because they haven't been hurt. They haven't had to witness the hurt that, you know, her policies or her actions have brought down. Um, they've only benefited from it. I'm just so, going to say my mouth's been hanging open for a solid minute at She's Very Trumpy. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. So, so yeah, I mean, like, we're, we're at the point now where, you know, like all those guys, like... Um, who who eventually leave the administration once they leave they're like whoa he's terrible and i think that's what happened to aurelio he's the scaramucci uh, <laughs> <laughs> he lasted about a scaramucci i guess <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> which kudos to the hollow oh eli God. she's yes. not telling the truth i was like oh, oh, oh. <laughs> my man look I, I mentioned this in my thread, that whole interaction with her and the hollow, you see at the beginning of the conversation, you know, to prove her fidelity, she starts talking, she's gesturing, and then she's very clearly looking at Eli the hollow. So you can see I'm telling the truth. I'm looking you in the face. And then when she starts to lie, the head goes down, back. the body mm-hmm. turns away. You are lying. You are not telling the truth. And she's like, yeah. okay, okay, okay. And then she moves her body between Eli and the admiral with her yeah. back to Eli so he can no longer see her. And this is, ask me again. Like, what is it? Y'all think you're a failed the test. It's not going <laughs> to just read your body language. It's also reading your biometrics. So even then, Eli's going to know if you're lying or not. Like, <laughs> come on, chick. You, you're not too bright, are you? You yeah, may be ruthless. Like, but in terms of like being, you know, intelligent as a criminal, you you there, but you you he miss there. some things. So that is an interesting scene between her and what was the, what, what did they call him on Twitter? The Dadmiral, 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 <laughs> yeah, Admiral. hot Admiral, I believe hot is Admiral. what Grace calls him. Yes, <laughs> yes, Oded Fair, yep. hey. Hey, hey. Fine. <laughs> my name is Tia. You should, you know, <laughs> Black Alert Podcast at Deep Space Tia. Um, <laughs> so anyway, that that scene is interesting. It, it, 
we've started to go back into sort of the discussion of federation politics and government, uh, especially with the accords that OSIRA has brought forth. And imagine, like, the thing is, like, for a minute, Vance is sort of thinking about it. You know, a 15-year plan to end slavery, you know, to join the Federation. Oh, yeah, you can join us, but we have to wind down slavery. There's no there's no instant end to it, you know. So this is sort of an earlier point we talked about, uh, the Federation sort of being open to being a little bit in the gray, right? Because why think about allowing an organization that pillages and enslaves like, why think about it for monetary purposes, the mercantile? You know, it's it's interesting. Yeah, it was because you see Vance at first, he's kind of like, let me entertain this idea. And the more she's talking and the more he's reading those accords and what she's proposing, the less and less he's down with it. He's like, mm. I don't know, man. This doesn't sound like a, a legit bill of goods here. I'm I'm not liking this right now. And I mean, I like Oded Fair, not just because he's a hot admiral, Oded Fair in the middle of my <laughs> Star Trek, but because as an admiral, he is doing his best and he's playing the long game. Like we see, like there's a brief moment where the the assistant lieutenant Willa and one of the the, the chain dudes comes in to give the update. Because all the regulators have been uh, blown out the airlock by uh, regulators. I McLean Burnham. <laughs> and I, I, McLean Burnham. <laughs> Osira and the Admiral get that information at the same time. And he's not even sure. Like, he doesn't even pause. He just throws it out there. It's like, oh, you, your regulators be running around outside with no suits on. That's a shame. And he just says that. He's like, I'm give, I know what you know. There you go. I put it out there. So now he's reading this armistice. And he's taking these points and he's considering and hemming and hawing. He's buying time. He obviously knows everything on Discovery isn't as secure as Osira wants to think. Like he's 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 buying time. That's, that's a that's a fair point. I, I didn't really think of it that way, but they both that, are that's though, fair. right? Yeah. She's, tr- she's yeah. trying to get this done as quickly as possible so they don't take Discovery and take all of her leverage. Like she's trying to move quickly, he's trying to sl- to slow roll it. And neither of them had a whole lot of incentive to, you know, agree. Yeah. Well, that kind of brings me back to my original point. Like, neither one of them had any real leverage. Um, Vance kind of, I mean, she did in the beginning because, you know, element of surprise and, and all of that. But as it goes on and on and on, her leverage is slipping away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was a very good point that he was indeed buying time because he already probably knew, well, if my crew is on, if the crew is on board, like you say they are, which Eli said that you weren't lying in that regard. Yeah, I'm going to buy them some time because I already know they're Starfleet officers. And what are they going to do? Automatically, they're going to try and take back the ship. And he knows if Michael Burnham's on that ship, she's not listening to authority. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But he also knows that that means she's going to get that ship. Right. She's not failed yet. 
Exactly. And I, I love when she's in the, the Jeffrey's tubes crawling around and she I sends that quick subspace message out to her mom. mom. Oh, yes. Mom. I was like, yes! Which I love the nuns. I love that sect of nuns. Uh, thank you with them being introduced in Picard, but then we see them all these centuries later. They're still around. They're still a thing. They're still doing the absolute candor. I thought it was great. So I'm hoping we see Mama Burnham come rescue her baby cub yeah. in season finale. Yes. Yeah, I'm waiting to get some Vulcans and Romulans. Yes, yes. Uh, that, would, that would be awesome. I, I really... Yeah. My, my my guess is that what what we're going to see then is the, the Navarre and the Kelpians show up. And kind of, and maybe even uh, humans, yeah, and maybe even the humans show up and help out the Federation and and get it started again. Not maybe yes. not rejoin, maybe not you know the whole way, but start the process back. Yeah, yeah. that would and be I mean, that would be a huge moment. They were signing off with Osira this, too, though, because well, she has fifteen planets, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was funny though. She was like, "What do you mean?" Because he was like, "I'm willing to do this, but you're gonna have to be under arrest." And she was like, "Wait, what?" what? <laughs> and that's when she turned into Trump for me. She's yep. Like, Wait, like, excuse you? Go to jail. Yeah. I have all yep. this power. I ain't going nowhere. She should have like, said yes and had Aurelio pardon her. Duh. Yep. <laughs> and the thing is that she was like, "Excuse me," because this is the one thing that she hadn't thought of. Like, yep. every time the Admiral said, well, if you want that, you're going to have to do this. And she always had something. It's like, oh, well, you know, we can do mm-hmm. this. Like, you you can't be the face. You got to have a proxy. Oh, well, I just happen to have this dude. It's going to take forever to sort out how we can come together. Oh, well, I just happen to have this armistice right here. She had thought this out. This was a Virgo with a plan. I'm not <laughs> saying she's a Virgo, but she's probably a Virgo. <laughs> <laughs> She had it all figured out. And then here comes Vance, being sassy as he is, throwing something at her that she did not plan for. Curveball. Yep. Yeah. He called with the she, How did you not think about that? It's the she Federation. Did. Yeah. <laughs> it's what they do. You don't answer for what you've done. Yeah. Every it's villain way has the. Fl- it's that hubris that gets the villains, you see. Yep. At least she didn't monologue. We'll give her that. Oh God! And now she's like, "We gotta. I'm gonna fight my way out of here, and burn it all down." I'm taking my ball. I'm going home. Exactly. Yeah, I can keep this Trump analogy going forever. (laughs) She's gone back to the winter, the winter White House. Exactly. Uh, You know, let's go back to Mar-a-Lago. I guess Riza would be Mar-a-Lago in this. Uh, That's what I want to know is what planet she has. Because yep. there are some that I feel like are pretty obvious that should be part of the, the Emerald Chain, like Ferenginar. Yeah. <laughs> Ferenginar is probably doing very well oh. with the chain. Yeah. I don't think if they would have joined them. I think they probably would just have a business relationship with them. <laughs> That's yeah. Like they're doing very well. I, I don't think, you know, that the Ferengi are, you know, being oppressed or anything. Like, no. know, there's probably a lot of money being made. I'm I'm sure the Ferengi are just fine. Unless Nog turned them into, uh, unless Rom turned them into Marxists. Oh, yeah, Moogie. Moogie was like, ah, none of this anymore. Mm -hmm. 
I still find it strange we haven't seen a single one, though. Yes. I, you know, I said I have a theory why they haven't shown the brandy. They are a problematic species. They are. <laughs> a very problematic species. They are. And so I don't think... I, I think they're trying... They won't show them because they're going to have to retcon them. They'll Heavily. have to change the makeup. Uh, probably. For sure. They'll have to retcon them. And I think after the sort of drama over the Klingon retcon, which, by the way, I wasn't even upset with, <laughs> I think they don't ju- they don't want to deal with it anymore. I don't think they just want to deal with the drama from the fandom about another change to, quote-unquote, canon. But they are in Picard. Remember, uh, Quark's bar was on that. Uh, Quark had a bar. Yeah, but you don't um, actually see a. Yeah, that's, I don't remember seeing any. Friday that's either. true. We don't. I don't think we, we, we know they. Oh no, I got to go back and watch. Seen any? Watch those episodes because I'm I'm not sure if we actually see them. We I'm don't. gonna come back okay. before we get too far away from the actual episode. There are a couple more things that I want to discuss. Rope is back. That in. I really enjoyed. I really like how in episode twelve that we're finally getting to see some of the camaraderie in the relationships between the rest of the bridge group. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, thing between the Reese and Bryce, then Owo and Detmer and how they, how all they will work together and bounce mm-hmm. off each other. I really like that we're seeing that warmth between them all and that we're developing those relationships. It's far too late for us to be just starting to get to really know the bridge group. Yes. I agree with yeah. that. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I love the Morse code. Um, you know, throwback to, you know, freshman year. It's like, we just started Starfleet. Yeah, we're going to use the, they don't know nothing about this. We were just tapping, you know? I just, <laughs> and one other small thing uh, about that whole interaction with the Morse code afterwards when Booker's like, oh, you guys, that's really great. And I was thinking, Booker, you see, way back when Saru says, go read the field manual, I'm sure it's gone like <laughs> eight really And if you had, had read it, you could have been in on the joke. Just saying. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, the fight turning into a real fight was was a gem of a moment. That was that was. I mean, uh, it's only been like a week, right, since he told him to go read the field manual. Because we go, <laughs> Philippa leaves, and immediately Osira just pops up. Right? So he's yeah, been we started busy. the episode. He's, we started at eleven at the the sort of memorial service for her. Uh-huh. To see them go back and have him like reading the field manual and learning Morse code. With I would say, Saru, I'm not know. reading anything until you make me part of the crew officially. I don't I'm give my badge. labor for free. So, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, how yeah. does he not have a badge? You would think <laughs> everybody it. on the ship should have a badge he, just so they can be communicated with. But, like, you notice that every time he needed to go somewhere, they were like, yo, Bryce, beam him because they yeah. had to beam him over he doesn't have a badge same with Adira she had to borrow somebody else's uh, Jet's uh, badge but you gotta remember uh... they're pretty tight with the badges like Michael in season one didn't have a badge on Discovery for the longest that's true like they don't just give them and when they do give them it's it's a it's a thing it's a point it's Philippa had one though and Adira works in engineering they should have a badge they should have a badge they should have a badge but they're not Technically, Starfleet yet, and Starfleet. Okay, but uh, yeah, Philip will probably just t- just took wait, it back. Adir is technically what a Starfleet admiral, uh, admiral right? Yeah. So they yes, should have they, a badge. 
they haven't clarified what her position is now. Like, is are they still an admiral? And like, the admiral did say that they I'm going to treat you like... admiral badge? Like, what do they get? Yeah, the admiral said in the beginning that he, I'm going to treat you like somebody I just met. Uh, yeah. But didn't Wesley also have a badge, though? Adira's... He had a whole no. uniform. What you talking about? Wesley he had, had that stupid... Including, oh, yeah, I thought uh, Wesley had a badge. Hold on, let me check. No, I just watched. Uh, I've, I've, Wesley I've just only gets watching. a badge when he officially becomes a cadet. No. Yeah. No, Wesley gets a badge and a uniform because remember he missed. Um, it was the episode Menage Troy, so he missed going to Starfleet Academy, and at the end of the episode, Picard is like, "I've been reviewing your performance on this ship, so I'm making you acting ensign." Like and he, he gets, gets a full uniform though. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm. Everything. He gets yeah. the whole fit. He get fitted. Yeah. That's something that they need to clarify because yes, Booker should have a badge. Yes, Adira should have a badge. Like, yeah, at least give him a badge. They ain't gotta have a uniform, but at least give him a badge. Doesn't even have to be a badge. <laughs> right? Just Considering. Give him a badge. Uh, Stan, oh, consider a call for me, please. I need to call someone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's got like these concealment bracelets and these, you know, special other tools that he's got from the couriers. Like. Give the man a badge. We even have considering that Book has to do all this stuff for the crew, and he doesn't even get a badge. (laughs) Yeah, how many times does he put a ship into peril for these people? I hope he's honestly. And they need to stop playing with this man's life. Yes. How many times are we gonna see this man almost die? Because I'm like, if you put my girl through any more emotional pain with her losing another man. I'm hello. going, okay, hello. And she finally this... said, I love you, even though it was a Oh, I thought that meant Book was dead. I thought Book was about that to happen. Die. Honestly, me too. She said she loved this man, they're going to kill him, and I am going to riot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, wait, wait, is, is he listed as a special guest star? or? No, he's a main, he's in the cast. He's a main guest. Okay. He's, he's a main, main he's a main character. But I, 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 I knew... I, I knew with Michelle Yeoh, she was special guest star the whole time. I was like, oh, gosh, she's not long for this world. <laughs> she's on borrowed time. <laughs> she was. She was on borrowed time. But Don't they gave her a good send-off. But, yeah, his life has been on the line a few times. And I don't appreciate that, especially since it's one of the few healthy Black romantic relationships that we have on TV right now. Not saying that there yeah. are others, Sweet. but this is one of the main North ones that we were people. being given to see it go sideways upside down diagonal especially after them saying i i love you those those ultimate three words that would have been devastating so i'm happy they didn't do it and i'm hoping that they keep this couple a couple i think i i like it for 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 that reason and because he's the only black male character who's ever has lines on the show I mean, Bryce is just sitting there like having a fade. Nobody else <laughs> is ever. It's a, nice fade. it's a great fade. And I still think the dots are responsible for it. <laughs> now that I've know that now that I know that the dots are 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 sentient, yeah, I'm I'm convinced that they they come up in and shape him up in the morning. They have to. Yeah. They probably braided uh, Michael's hair. So we got know. all that data, so we know how to get you right. <laughs> <laughs> Hundred thousand years of black hairstyles in one oh, Can room. you imagine? We got you. What do you need? Oh. 
Shape up the whole holodeck program. No, the dot, the dot deuce. That's his, that's his name. Oh, man. Let me oh, get it. Hey, hey, what's up, brother? Got the accent and everything. Hey, what's up, bro? Let me uh, change real quick. Like, man. I mean, my Takes hair five right minutes. Back. Five minutes. <laughs> right? He get it done so quick. Little thing get it done so quick. Which... No, no, no. It's 100,000 years of black black hair. No, it's not five minutes. You know they got to talk. They got to talk. <laughs> it's at least an hour for that fake. <laughs> Uh, this is true. I've never had my hair cut at black people. establishments in less than forty-five minutes. Like it's, it's not. It's impossible. One, your appointment doesn't start on time. No. <laughs> okay, I want to come back to one little, one small boring thing since we're talking about the dot twenty-threes that I actually enjoyed in this episode, and this is something that I've been talking about uh, on Twitter account. I'd like to thank uh, uh, Art with Mira at Art with Mira on Twitter for pointing this out to me a couple weeks ago and jogging my memory because it was something that I did want to discuss. The opening credits are more important than you think. The images in the opening credits, Mm -hmm. if you're not paying attention, they change, well, not necessarily every week, but definitely every season. What is in the opening credits is definitely important to what is happening in the plot of the show. And almost in chronological order. Almost, yes. Mm-hmm. Because in this season in particular, I mentioned last week and earlier in the week that the dot twenty threes. Now that we know what they are, I was unfamiliar with the the robot's name before. The dot twenty threes are featured very prominently in the opening credits of the season, and yet mm-hmm. we had not seen them do anything important. I don't even think we'd seen them on screen before these episodes. We did now. Yeah, they, they did the refit of uh, Discovery. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like, we saw them in the Mirror Universe. We see too, them in the background. We see them in the Mirror Universe. They weren't like... Yeah. They look so sinister in they're the so Mirror cute. Universe. I'm not, <laughs> I, I'm not and now they're like from Wally. They're great. But they're, now it, we know. Exactly. It's like Wally and Eve had babies. Yeah. Yep. Now we know. Now we know how they rolled up, man. They were like, What's that now? What's that noise? Because you were like, oh, it's about to be a firefight in this corridor. And it's three dot 23s rolling up with different <laughs> colored eyes, I might add. Yes. Different colored eyes. Uh-huh. So I was like, they got spear data info now. The artificial intelligence, the enhanced computer of the chip. Yeah, let's yeah. go. Let's go, dot 23. My daughter was spear data. That's like a precursor to what will become Zora if you've watched uh, the Calypso short trick. Mm-hmm. And I really like that we're getting to see how the sphere data is evolving from suggesting entertainment to the crew so that they can relax after this traumatic experience of coming to the future to helping to take back the ship inside of Dot 23 robots to whatever is going to come next. Like, mm-hmm. okay. Very now searching like gang wars. We're yeah. ready. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So Marketing speaking of Zora, and, and what was the what was the gang Zora. what was the gang sign though that they made at the end? Like, they, I think that's just they, their hands are. That's I, their it hands. looked like they were throwing up the I sign of the devil, like in the like heavy metal. They were no, ready like, to go. These guys are about to throw down. <laughs> that's, that's just their hands. I really think it is. Which, it's literally just their hands, but it still looked good. Yeah. <laughs> Which, but hey, Zora, right? Uh, the short treks. I forgot about that. You know, the crew disappears. Yes, I was thinking about that a few days ago. I was like, at some point, they leave Discovery if, behind. 
if we see the crew just completely gone in this short trek episode huh when when do we see that like and the whole ship is intact no damage no evidence of a firefight nothing but no crew like and not it a seemed single like it, they had been gone a long time too Thousand years, Zora says she's she's been alone. So yes. that's at least at least a thousand years from where we see Discovery right now. And I'm like, oh. what the what? Yeah, that could it, happen at any point in the series, though, right? I mean, they I at any point in the an series. Ending. I think that's yeah. a, a, just a foreshadowing of the ending. Whenever Discovery does end uh, in that last episode, for whatever reason, it's they're going to leave. I think yeah. they're going to send them back. Yeah. What if Discovery is always like responsible for for saving it's like the federation failsafe yeah mm, yeah okay so we didn't discuss the main part of episode 12 gi michael oh yes <laughs> michael mcclain went commando commando burnham come not for she ain't commander burnham she commando <laughs> burnham. listen michael Mission she got Impossible? she took a knife to the leg and kept going <laughs> Didn't even Lost the shoes. Yeah. Uh, yep, just like that. She didn't even yell. She didn't even yell because she, she was like, "That's gonna get me like caught." So she took the knife silently. Yep. Yes, like a G. I was like, "Damn, that's gangster." Couldn't be me. I'd be crying. Crying. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh. I hope it ain't the artery to my heart. I'm a bleeding out. No, that's why I, I was concerned. I saw that blood. I was like, ooh, we're not, we're not, look, we're not doing too good here, girl. Well, then she used yeah. her shifting phaser to, to seal that the wound. That was cauterized her yeah. own wound with a phaser like a badass. Oh, my yes. God. That was a Rambo throwback moment. That was some shit Rambo. Oops. That was something that Rambo did. <laughs> That was like every 80s movie, that whole sequence. She was barefoot like John McClane. She's yes. sealing her wounds like like Rambo. Yep. I mean, airlocking a bunch of people. Airlocking people. Oh, she sent them out the airlock. I was like, ooh. Kicking enemies out windows. Yep. I just... Yeah, she, she did an Alan Rickman at Christmas. She... <laughs> oh, wow. Rest in peace, Alan Rickman. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it, was, it was good stuff. She might as well say yippee ki That was the <laughs> only thing missing. Like, you're going to need more regulators. That was discovery for yippee ki for real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that's what we were talking about earlier, like how this is, once again, like a very Star Trek moment. One person having to go out and do what needs to be done to get the ship back. Like, I mentioned microcosm from, microcosm, sorry, from Voyager. We have that sort of iconic Janeway with her tank top on and her wi- her rifle going through the mm. the halls of Voyager to do you know to take out this this virus, you yeah. know. So like the the commando figure is not new to the to the Star Trek series, and I noticed that there was some criticism about that, but I'm just like, well, this happens in every series, and it's, it's been happening since the original time. series. Captain Kirk yeah. had to deal with those guys who moved super fast and took over the enterprise or the people who turned the crew into those um calcium crystals yep uh, and, yeah, um, yeah. which which in my family we always say that he was they were making a mashy and <laughs> dang you know in next generation picard <laughs> had to do it with a baryon sweep 
I mean, and that was the first time he Vulcan neck pinched uh, Tuvok. Picard did it as a kid too. Remember when yes, was, they got yes. in and the so became kids? They had to all go commando and still save the ship. That's Ships right. Be getting captured all the time oh, on Star uh, Trek. Yeah. Why? This is not new. This is essentially a Star Trek trope. Oh no! It took three seasons, so I'm proud of Discovery. Has to get it back. Like this is yeah, what yeah because Starfleet had functional um, security. The show would be boring. Was it? Uh, <laughs> Was it uh, the Enterprise in in TNG? They had someone try to take over in season one. They tried to take the ship. Yeah, the uh, the binars. Yeah, binars. the binars yep. tried to hijack the ship, and I'm like, yep. Okay. It's not it's not Voyager though. Voyager had Kazon, that Cashix uh, uh, people, species eight four seven two, the aliens, everybody. Yeah, it was on Voyager. You get your turn on Voyager. You get your turn to take the ship. That's that's the way. Honestly, like, are you really a captain if you haven't lost your ship a couple times? Like at this point, (laughs) that's kind of what needs to happen to everybody. I mean, Cisco had the whole had the whole station taken and had to get a whole fleet to come get it back. Yes. I mean, well, I mean, to be fair, that belonged to the Cardassians first. Right. Well. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, the Cardassian stage. They were, they were random east. aliens that took over Deep Space Nine. They at least knew it. They knew You're it. They standing for the Cardassians. <laughs> Keep it up with the Cardassians. Okay? The Cardassians are great. A great species. And we haven't seen them in, in the newer. We have. Ep- we have. There and are some in the new Starfleet. They're, yeah, all, they're, in the, yep. they're in the background. Oh, they are. I gotta go go back because I you completely missed the red shirt. Every episode, and then watch the background of, of yeah. the headquarters at every episode. There are a lot so of people walking around. Yeah, yeah, I think after so, the Dominion, the the Cardassians are not going solo ever again. Like, nope. We're we're with the Federation till the end. Which makes me wonder when did they join the Federation? But there are humans that are part of uh, the Federation, and Earth isn't. This is true. This is very so, true. And speaking of the Federation, I'm convinced that uh, the president of the Federation, who they kept trying to say, you know, oh, you know, he's hidden. It's Cronenberg. Yes. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, that's a that's an interesting thought. I think yep. so too. I, the I'm president going to see Georgia, like. Yep. Okay. To, to take a look at the first Terran that has been around in a while, to mm-hmm. look at them up close and personal, I think it's excellent subject. I don't know. The president being a, a Terran stan is. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I need to see this I mean, with my own eyes. To, to um, be honest, with I, you know, I like I, that theory better than people saying uh, the president was disguised as Eli. Oh, I hope no. not. <laughs> but at the end of the day, aren't we all Taryn stands just a little bit because of just how sexy mm. they look? Uh, <laughs> you know what? You're right. There I'm, we go. I'm, there I'm, it I'm is. Yeah. Lie. I'm a Taryn stand. Look. And if you're not, you're doing it wrong. Like, the emperor. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Yes. And, 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 and my girl Killy. and mirror Michael. That's basically uh, it. Anyway, you know what? You're right. All of them. <laughs> and we do have some tragedy. Wrong episode. Wrong episode. <laughs> okay. So yes, we can't we can't go on without addressing the tragedy of this episode. Everybody, light a candle. Put up your candle, put up your lighters. Oh, for, our de- for, our for the dearly Earth. departed. Rin. 
Yes. Ah, yeah. Yes. I loved his speech. Um, I'm not afraid of you anymore. I've seen real bravery, real strength, and loyalty and mm-hmm. love. Uh, you're nothing compared to that. All you have is fear, and no one is feared forever. He was fantastic. It was fantastic. But that was great. Yep. And if he had survived, I would like, please give this man a uniform and a combat. I don't want to hear nothing else. And I was yep. going to ship him until he's so bad. So <laughs> well, I was going to be the biggest Tilly stand I in the world. I still am. Thank you, Noah. <laughs> they, he can uh, come back, though. I mean, in a different prosthetic, outside of a prosthetic. True. And with some intro, please. Jeffrey yes. Combs, right? Exactly. Yes. He can be the Jeffrey Combs of, of Discovery. Well, Jeffrey Combs did pretty much all the series going from Deep Space Nine to uh, Enterprise. Enterprise, yeah. Yep. No, yep. I know you're listening. Just pitch it to him. I'm sure they'll love it. Just make me the Jeffrey Combs of Discovery. I'm sure that's yep. all you guys say. That's it. Yes. Like, <laughs> I'm back. And that's who I'm waiting to show up. I'm like, when are we going to get Jeffrey Combs as another character? They like, have to do real. it. They have to give the, they have to get the people what they want. He yeah. said he'll do it. He said he'll do it. He just needs to be asked. Who? Let me get the phone number. Who Jeffrey do we need Combs? to call? Who do we need <laughs> to call? Why haven't they called this man yet? <laughs> He is a fan favorite. He's a bona fide certified fan favorite. And the beauty of it is he's never played an actual main character. He's always been some recurring character. Yeah. How great would it have been if he'd been the Guardian of Forever? Yo! That would have been good. Uh, okay. I'm going to give you that one. That would have been a... Uh, <laughs> that would have been, been so fun. Ooh, that would have blew my little tricky mind. <laughs> you, I wonder where the Vorter are. Honestly. Yeah. The Dominion, the Jim Hadar, all of them. Girl. Which, again, this in this, Dominion, we've the asked Jim'Hadar, this question a few times already. Work. What quadrant are we dealing with here? Well, we've got Earth. And Earth, depending on where you look, is either in the beta or the alpha quadrant. Right. Mm-hmm. Because, like, on Star Trek Online, Earth is in the beta quadrant. And Deep Space Nine is in the alpha quadrant. And they haven't been anywhere near Deep Space Nine, as far as we know. But again, we've seen Cardassians who are also in the Beta Quadrant. We don't know. I mean, because they they talk they reference Deep Space Two Fifty Three this week. Yeah. You know, that's a hundred and two hundred and forty four <laughs> deep spaces. That's... Deep Space Nine. How far out are they? Are they in the the Delta what, Quadrant? Really? Eighty seven. Like... They haven't been there in eighty five years. Eighty seven. Or something 87. like that. Eighty seven. Yeah. When they said deep space, I was like, deep space, what number? How many deep space are? That's too many. Okay. That's how how many? Okay, but Asira is kind of like trifling for that. They haven't <laughs> been there in eighty-seven years. There's no dilithium. How are they supposed to get there? Like, you know, who's supposed I wonder, to get there? Are there like federations <laughs> like? No are there like little federation franchises all across the galaxy since they can't like get to each other? They're like, you know, here's the, the Federation in the Alpha Quadrant, and here's the Federation in the Delta Quadrant, and none of them can, can contact each other because they're too far away. Like, right. they obviously have some subspace communication, but Yeah, it takes time, and they're just not able to travel there. Mm-hmm. Like, Osira has, like, all of the dilithium that she can find, but, you know, she goes to Deep Space 253, and it's like, ah, uh, yeah, you know what? Those Federation folks, they don't care about you. Yeah, we know they can't get here, but still, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's funny, though, that, that she would talk about Deep Space 253 as though she's been there. 
why if she can get there, why didn't the Federation ever get there in 87 years? And because she can get there between the Federation headquarters and 253, why can't they? Also, the corridors. We saw that. Yeah. Uh, the subspace corridors. Which was cool. Well, you can't get through it the, anymore. The yeah. And obviously, I don't like. I don't know what happened. If the burn happened or what happened in these corridors, but the corridors are all full of pieces of ships. Yeah, I figured yeah. it was. Ships. Ships By the way, are these the the references to the the Voyager corridors? Like, are these I, the same I thing? I believe it's the same technology. I think so. I think not they necessarily made now. by the Borg, though, but. Yeah. Yeah, because at some point, I think in Federation history, because we hear, you know, the Navarre, they're talking about where we've been working on alternate uh, means to, to transport. So I would imagine at some point the Federation was trying to do their own thing with uh, subspace corridors and the whole transwarp coils Probably and stuff, shortly after similar to the board. Mm. Yeah. After yeah. she got back. After she got back. After she rescued Voyager early. Sometime around there, I'm sure Starfleet said, okay, we need to do something with this technology. Yeah. Because I'm sure Janeway's like, look, I didn't go through all that ish for nothing. We got all this information <laughs> on how the board get from here to to the Delta Quadrant and all that and like not even half the time that we do it in. So we gonna work on this Daystrom Institute. Somebody, I don't care. But here is the whole database. She became an admiral and she was like, you know what? This is my pet project as admiral. Yep. Circling back, I was actually discussing this earlier today with the uh, Sad Bird Smice on Twitter in regards to the, the transwarp conduits, the courier network, something happened in there during the burn, and that's why those conduits are full of destroyed ships and their ships they, you can't yep. be navigated through. Because yeah. transwarp obviously was a technology that got developed to a point where there had this network that the couriers used, and then the burn, like you can't navigate through there with all those destroyed ships in there. Don't transwarp uh, still require dilithium? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If they still have, but, yeah. but if they still have active warp cores and are using dilithiums and dilithium, then yeah, the whatever uh, Sh- Shakul Jarul did. <laughs> to... <laughs> you went old black man with all of that. <laughs> whatever, whatever he when when he had. Uh, his eruption, you know, it, trans- it, it uh, transferred, uh, transported uh, through uh, the the transport network too, or it could be a Borg wreckage that's left over from when Janeway blew it up, blew up the corridor. <laughs> Janeway kept <laughs> I mean, Janeway did Janeway kind of wreck, wreck stuff. Future Janeway did kind of do some stuff to it. She might have just left it all the debris free in there. She, as much she as I like that, real good when, Booker when she, does say at one point the couriers were using these regularly. They're just not anymore because of all this debris. So I have to assume that the wreckage is because of the burn and not Janeway. I'd love to think Janeway just wrecked the whole galaxy. She's like, <laughs> we're, no. We're a millennia. We're <laughs> exactly. The effects of Catherine Janeway of the Federation Starship Voyager. Like, I well, I mean, we see Voyager J when they finally get to Starfleet headquarters. So it's very possible that there's a Janeway out there somewhere. She on got the ship car. That's what happened. They turned her into uh, an A. Uh, 
Uh, an android. She's an android now. She got the AI that Picard has. She's still alive. Kate Mulgrew. She's the she's the EMC. She's the emergency. Well, no, she's the ECH. She's the emergency captain hologram. A computer. Initiate the emergency uh, command hologram. Janeway comes up and she's like, you know what? Blow this shit up. <laughs> but before that, I need a cup of coffee. <laughs> uh, on that note, do we have anything else to discuss on this episode? I think I we're just... good, man. We're... That was some good stuff, I think. Yeah. Next week's the season finale. Are we ready? No. Uh, no. <laughs> That's it for our recap of episodes 11 and 12 of Star Trek Discovery. Uh, before we end, we'd like to give a few shout outs to some of our previous guests. Uh, Noah, who joined us last week and gave an amazing sort of interview with us and we really appreciate it and we appreciate Mary Wiseman for shouting us out on the Twitters that bird app does come in handy sometimes <laughs> shout out to Susan uh, and bringing to light some of the issues that are still being had within Star Trek fandom and the dot 23s shout out to at Art with Amira and at Sad Bird Smythe for conversing with me on this bird app about transwarp coils and the Borg and how that happens in the Discovery timeline and how the art of the opening credits has changed and is influencing what's happening on the show. Thank you guys for allowing me to pick your brain and bring that to the podcast. I think that's everything and we're all done. So love, peace, and stop. Trek. See y'all next time. Bye, folks. Bye. Take care. Peace out.